at Ephesians chapter 2. Two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, we looked at chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers. And uh, if you can recall, he prayed specifically that they would know the resurrection power of Christ, but also the ascension power well, of God. And that was part of his prayer for the, for the church in Ephesus. Because he wanted them to understand the power of God that rose Christ from the dead. An amazing power. I don't think we really understand what kind of power we are talking about when we talk about the resurrection power of God that is able to raise someone from the dead. And then obviously also the ascension power, taking Christ into heaven. And uh, where he's preparing a place for us and where he will return to come and take us to be with him forever and ever. Amazing. And that same resurrection power that Christ rose from the dead through is the same power that is going to raise us from the dead when we die. There's going to be a day when we're going to hear the trumpet sound, Christ is going to come in the air and those who died in Christ will rise first and those who are alive will be changed in an instant and we will meet Christ in the air and we will be with him forever and ever. So there's the two powers of God at work, the resurrection power of God that raises someone from the dead, but also the ascension power of God that takes us into heaven to be with Christ forever and ever absolutely amazing and that's what the apostle paul prayed for the ephesian believers that they would know this power the resurrection power of god but also the ascension power of god and now when we get to chapter two absolutely amazing how he starts chapter two specifically verse one because in verse 1, I just realized I never even went to Ephesians. So let me just get there quickly. I'm just going to read the first three verses. Because it is um, those verses we will be focusing on this morning. Now you will find that different translations translates this first verse a little different. The New King James says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. The King James says, you he quickened. That's the same thing, no? made alive. Verse 2 says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Just those verses. It's actually very negative, except that little part that is included in italics in some of the translations, where he says, you he made alive, speaking to the Ephesian believers. Right? He's not speaking to unbelievers here. He's speaking to believers. But he's speaking to the Ephesian believers in the past tense. 
something happened in their lives. And if we understand the prayer of the Apostle Paul in chapter 1, what happened in their lives is the resurrection power of God did something in the lives of the Ephesians. He rose them from the dead. He made them alive. A miracle took place in the life of the Ephesian believers. Without that miracle, it's impossible to live for God. It's impossible to be saved. It's impossible to live a life that is pleasing to God. So it's very important. You need to understand chapter 1 for us to understand chapter 2. Especially the part where he speaks about becoming alive. Because he's speaking about the resurrection power of God. And he wanted the Ephesians to know that power. And the amazing thing is, each one of the believers in Ephesus, each one of them, experienced the resurrection power of God firsthand. I'm not talking about the resurrection power of God when, when he raises us from the dead now to meet Christ in the air. I'm talking about the resurrection power where God takes someone who's dead in sins and trespasses and makes that person alive. It's a miracle that takes place. It's a huge miracle that takes place. And, and that helps us to understand why the world is in the state it's in. Because if it's only believers who are alive to live for God, if it's only believers who received the miracle power of God to, to raise them or to bring them to life, then it means that those who are not in Christ, those who are not saved, they are all dead in their trespasses and sins. That's the implication. And the Apostle Paul says, Ephesian believers, this is exactly where you were before. You were also dead in your trespasses and sins, just like all the others. There's no difference between a believer and a non-believer. We all start off at the same place. We all start off as sinners. And then God comes and he does this amazing miracle in the life of a believer that brings us from death to life. And then for the first time in our lives, we can actually live for Christ. We can live for God. We can do the things that God expects from us. We can live the kind of life that is pleasing to God, that, that pleases Him, that, that He enjoys. But that miracle had to take place in our lives. And if it didn't, it means that we are still dead in our trespasses and our sins. Before we continue, let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the clarity of your word. As we, as we read a letter like the letter of the, to the Ephesians of the Apostle Paul, and he makes it so clear what needs to happen when in the life of a sinner to become a saint, and then what needs to happen in the life of a saint to live the kind of life that pleases you. So, Father, we pray this morning, as we look at these first three words of, uh, verses of Ephesians chapter 2, Father, will you make it clear to us? Open it up, please, so that we may understand and so that we may embrace what you teach us in your word. 
as we pray in the glorious, wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, years ago, a movie was released, and it was entitled The Sixth Sense. Now, I am definitely not recommending that you go and watch this movie. I just watched the trailer, and I was... Um, yeah, it's not a kind of movie that uh, I would just go and watch for nothing. But in this movie, it kind of illustrates the point. So that's why I'm using it. In this movie, a little boy appeared to be suffering from some other mental disorder. And it turns out that his actual problem resulted from the fact that he could see ghosts. But he didn't know it and others didn't know it. Not, not long into the movie, it becomes clear that he knows that he's actually looking at ghosts. Now, the problem with the ghosts that this little boy saw was that they didn't know they were ghosts. So they actually thought they were alive. And the problem with the ghosts, uh, the ghosts um, that this little boy saw was uh, that they didn't know that they were dead. They thought they were alive. Now, among the dead people this little boy encountered was a child psychologist. And he tried to help this little boy, you know, with his problems. He's a psychologist, so why won't he try to help this little boy? But the psychologist also didn't realize that he was dead. So when you watch the movie, the climactic moment of this film actually came when this boy looked at the psychiatrist or the psychologist and he said to him I see dead people now beloved I don't believe in ghosts and zombies and that kind of thing I think the Bible is very clear on this matter I believe that when you die our soul goes either to heaven or to hell and our body waits for the resurrection of the dead in Christ and um, we do not come back into this life, you know, either to haunt or to eat the living. Praise the Lord for that. So I don't believe in these kind of things. I believe that all ghosts and zombies are basically demons or fallen angels. No? And what they do is they are parading themselves as these ghosts and zombies to to get input into people's lives, to be able to influence people. Because once people start believing in those things, they open themselves up to these demonic influences to start influencing their lives. But when we look at our passage this morning, it is true that when we look around us, we are living in a world that is filled with living dead people. These people live around us, but they don't even know that they are dead. They think they're alive, just like in this movie. They're born, they live, they work, they marry, they have children, they enjoy the pleasures of life. They love, they hate, they fight, they, they give, they receive, they go, go on vacation. They even sit in churches. They often live nice, full lives, but yet they are dead. 
They may even, there may even be a few dead people among us this morning. Here, right now, in this church. We are literally surrounded by dead people that doesn't know they're dead. Kind of sounds spooky, hey? Kind of creepy. But beloved, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Sinners are dead in their trespasses and sins. You see, the thing is, these verses that we are looking at this morning tells us about the desperate condition of sinners. And, and by the way, you and I, we have the good news of the gospel to share with sinners who are dead in their trespasses and sins so that they can come to life through faith in Jesus Christ. So these three verses actually tells us about this desperate condition of sinners. And, and our hearts should, should reach out. Our hearts should break when we look at sinners and realize that, you know what, they actually think they are alive. They think they can please God. They think they can do things that will honor God. They think they can do things that would put a smile on God's face when in fact they can't. Because they are dead in their trespasses and in their sins. But this passage also reminds us as believers that we were like these people before. We were exactly like them. There's no Christian on the face of this planet that can walk around with a, you know, with a chip on the shoulder and say, you know what, I'm better than anybody else. It's not true. We're not better than anybody else. We were exactly the same as everybody else. We're all born in sin. We all sin before a holy God. We were all separated from God at one stage in our life. So it's good, I believe, to read a passage like this every now and then, just to be reminded. You know, just like the Lord's table reminds us of the gospel, reminds us of what Jesus Christ did for us, I believe it's good to, to read Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 3, and maybe verse 1 to 10, the whole thing, every now and then to be reminded of what God has actually done in our lives. There's amazing work that God has done. That he's done a miracle in the life of every single believer in Jesus Christ. He made us alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So Paul describes to us the condition, this sad condition of all sinners. And, and I believe that should stir our hearts. It should do something inside of us to say, but I, I want them to experience the life that I have. And that should move us to preach the gospel to the lost. I believe, beloved, by the way, the reason why the world is in the state it is in, if we look at politicians and we look at businesses and we look at organizations, if we look at things that are just falling apart all over the world, I believe it's for this reason, that we are living among the walking dead. 
They cannot please God in their lives. They please their flesh and they please the devil and they please the world. They cannot please God. And that's why the world is in such a state that it's in. So it's basically, we can say it's like this because of the spiritual state of the unsaved. But maybe we have a little bit of a responsibility for the state the world is in because Christians are very quiet. They're not outspoken about what's happening in the world around us. They're not being a prophetic voice. I'm not talking, talking about prophecy and those kind of things. I'm talking about a prophetic voice, which means to speak forth the word of God into the world that we are living in. To speak the truth to power. To say what God says in his word. I think quite, Christians are quite quiet. And they say, you know when evil prevails? is when good people do nothing. And the world will stay in the state it is in until Christians stand up and proclaim boldly that the only answer to the chaos of this world is Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beloved, what we see in our passage is this desperate condition of all sinners. And, and that should stir us to pray. To pray for sinners. Lord, please save the lost. Because they're dead. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. But in this context, it means that they are living in their sins. No? They, they're not physically dead. Now, the Apostle Paul says that the believers in Ephesus, that they were also dead at one stage in their life. So what does it mean to be dead now, in trespasses and sins? Now, now, this death that Paul is speaking about here is actually metaphorical. It's metaphorical speech. And it basically means that those people are spiritually dead to live for God. They don't have the ability to live for God. They don't have the ability to please God at all. It means to be destitute of a life that recognizes God and is devoted to God. That's what it means to be dead in this context. It means to be given over to trespasses and sins. You know, to be, it basically means to be controlled by my sin. Rather than being victorious over sin. It means to be unable to respect. Um, of, or let's say it means to be unable with respect to, to doing the right thing in the sight of God. You can't. People who are dead in their trespasses and sins can't. They don't have the ability to do that. God has to do something in them. And that's why you find so many people in churches professing believers. They profess to know Jesus Christ, but they cannot live victorious lives over sin. They cannot be victorious over the world and the influences of the world. It's as if they are continuously being bombarded and, and knocked down by the devil. It's as if the lusts of their flesh are just constantly dragging them in the direction that is the opposite of what God expects from us. And it's because they did. 
in their sins and their trespasses. They cannot live for God, even though they might think they can, but they can't. I've had in, in the time that I was involved in missions numerous times where I sat with young people and older people and they would say to me, I want to live for the Lord, but I, I can't. I, I, I seem to be doing the opposite of what I think the Bible expects from me. I just can't do what the Scripture teaches me. And many a time, after sitting down and examining the person's life, I could give them the sad news that the chances are they're not saved. They are dead in their trespasses and sins. And that's why they are being controlled by their sin, by the devil, by the lust of the flesh, and by the world. So if you're sitting here this morning, beloved, and you cannot be victorious over sin and the devil and the world and the flesh, the lust of the flesh, Chances are you're not saved. Because God is the one who makes us alive. God is the one who gives us the ability to live for Him, to please Him. God is the one who enables us and empowers us to live the kind of life that is honoring to Him. Yes, we live that life, obviously. But it's God who enables us through the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us, the third person of the Trinity that comes and indwells us. He enables us to, to live the kind of life that is pleasing to God. But to be dead means to be inactive for the Lord. It means that the person is malfunctioning or malfunctioning, broken to the point of being useless being destroyed. It means that the person is not functioning the way that he is or she is supposed to function. Beloved, just within the context of creation, you and I are God's creation. No? We're the pivotal point of God's creation. After God created man and he created woman, he said everything was perfect was good was very good God expects his creation to obey him God expects his creation to honor him to love him even though we know that his creation does not do that and I believe it's because of the sin of our first parents, Adam and Eve. Because it was after they sinned against God, and they disobeyed God, that everything just started going haywire, if I can use those words. I mean, the earth started bringing forth thorns and thistles. Women started bearing children in pain. We just had the privilege of experiencing it this week. I didn't experience it. But Roxanne did. And it's because of sin. It's because of the sin of our first parents that women would bring children into this world in pain. Men would work and they would work hard, but instead of bringing forth good fruit, the world will bring forth thorns and thistles. 
You see, because of sin, sin started having dominion over God's creation. And instead of God's creation honoring God and, and being who his creation is supposed to be, his creation kind of turned and did the opposite. Instead of honoring God, it dishonored God. Instead of doing things that would be um, obedience or show obedience to God, they would disobey God. And it starts off with little babies. You know these newborns? It's amazing how quickly they learn to take their mothers and fathers and, and twist them around their little pinky. Ne? Amazing. You can see how easily they throw tantrums because they don't get what they want. Because they're already born with a selfish heart. Selfishness is part of their being. Unholiness is not something that they have to go and seek. It's already in them through their sinful nature. So the heartbreaking thing is that sin had dominion over God's creation. And people were incapable to live for God in the way that he would please him. Their best works became like filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. And people became separated from God. Instead of getting closer to God, their sin just separated them from God more and more and more. And they moved further and further away from God and from their creation purpose. What is our creation purpose? It's to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's our purpose. That's why God created us. But sin came into this world and destroyed it completely. And now, what is the purpose of mankind? Humankind? No, that's what they say nowadays. It's to live for self. It's all about what I want. My pleasures, my needs, my wants, my desires. It's not about God. It's not about the creator of heaven and earth. No, it's about us. It's all about people. And that's because of... Sin that came into this world through the first Adam. And Paul says that the Ephesian believers, they were also dead in trespasses and sins. That's obviously before God made them alive. Before the miracle took place in their lives. Now, now trespasses basically... If we had to ask, what, is, what are trespasses? Trespasses are basically uh, specific acts of sin. Uh, specific things that we do that is uh, disobedient. Uh, how can I say where we are disobedient to God, where we uh, act immorally, where we do things that are the opposite of the moral law of God, where we break the law of God. So trespasses are those specific acts of sin. And then sins, as it is described there, are basically more general. It refers to all forms of sin. Beloved, before salvation, everyone lives in sin. They love sin. They want to indulge in sin. They have pleasure in sin. It is one of the greatest pleasures in life is to do things that are sinful. That's the reality. 
once a person comes to salvation, once a person becomes alive to start living for God, those things change. But it doesn't change before this miracle takes place in a person's life. Now in our passage, the Apostle Paul gives uh, convincing evidence, I believe, that basically shows us the condition of unsaved people, the condition that they find themselves in. Look at verse 2. He says, let's read verse 1 again. He says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. You see, before the Ephesian believers got saved, before they became alive, I, I actually like that, that, that word. Believers are alive. Sinners are dead in trespasses and sins. We're alive to live for God. We're alive to be obedient to Him. We are, are alive to, to give pleasure to Him, to, to honor Him. Sinners are not. Now, before the Ephesian believers got saved, they also followed the ways of the world. That's what Paul is saying. Which means they looked just like the world. If, if you looked at the Ephesian believers before God saved them, before they became alive, and you would look at the world, there would be no difference. It's kind of what we see today in the church. Yeah? You look at the church, and you look at the world, and you think, what's the difference? Is there any difference? There's supposed to be a major difference. And the difference is as, as huge as dead and alive. There's a big difference between the two. And that's the difference between somebody who is saved and somebody who's not. It's interesting what Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And he's speaking to the Corinthians because they thought they could continue to live a sinful life, look just like the world, do the things of the world, and still profess to be saved. They, they were convinced somehow. And, and the reason why they were convinced of this was because of false apostles that came into the church and started spreading false teachings. All right, so he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous, this is verse 9, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither. And then he gives us a short list of Sin that we find in the world that we should not find in the church. Okay, these things should not even be seen in the church. We should not even have fellowship with people who do these things in the church. Okay? So he says, neither fornicators, that's, that basically speaks about any kind of sexual sin whether it's pornography or whether it is sex outside of the confounds of marriage, whether it is bestiality or incest or whatever, it's all included in that. 
All right, it is sexual sin. Sexual sin should not be in the church. Because we are not the same as the world. But he continues, he says, Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says in verse 11, and this is now the Apostle Paul speaking to the believers in Corinth, and he's saying to them, and such were some of you. There were some of you that used to be covetous and drunkards and revilers and homosexuals and sodomites and, and idolaters and fornicators. There were some of you. That's, that's what your life used to look like because you look just like the world. Then he says in verse 11, and such were some of you, but... Beloved, if you see that little word in the Bible, take notice. Yeah, it's an important word. But you were washed. You were sanctified. Which means cleansed, eh? made holy. But you were justified, made right with God through Christ. Because of Christ's imputed righteousness. He says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Wow. Corinthian believers, you used to look just like the world. And some of you were actually doing all these kind of stuff that was written down here in chapter 6. But Paul says, you're not like that anymore. Why? If, if I had to use the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, it's because you're alive. You're alive to God now. You're alive to live for Him and please Him and honor Him and do what He wants. No longer to do what the world wants and what the world expects. You're not supposed to look like the world any longer because you've become alive. But Paul here in Corinthians actually expands on it now he says you were washed which means you were washed of your sin you were sanctified made holy through the blood of jesus christ and justified which means that you received the righteousness of christ in exchange for your sin and now you are as if just as if you have not sinned amazing beloved before god saves a sinner Sinners are all dead in their trespasses and sins. They cannot live for God. All believers were slaves to sin, slaves to the world, slaves to the devil, slaves to the lusts of their flesh, until God saved them. Then they became victorious. You see, all believers, before they were saved, lived lives that dishonored God. All believers used to live like the world before they were saved. Think of your own life. If you're saved this morning, think of your own life. What, is your, what was your life like before God saved you? Were you living as a Christian? Or did you look just like the world? I can tell you, 
And that's from experience. And I had, I've got first-hand experience that my life, before God saved me, I looked just like the world and I loved the things of the world. I loved parties. I loved drinking. I loved to go to places where I'm not supposed to be. I loved to watch things that I'm not supposed to see. I loved nightclubs. I loved the places where dark things happened. And the reason for that was because I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I loved the things of this world much more than I loved God. Until God did a miracle in my life. And all of a sudden, the world's attractions were not that attractive anymore. And, and I started desiring to do things that pleased God. I wanted to see Him glorified in my life. So I, I saw this happen in my own life. Now in verse 2 of Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul also tells us that the Ephesian believers walked according to the prince of the power of the air. The one that now works in the sons of disobedience. Which just basically means that before the Ephesians were saved, they obeyed the devil. The devil was their father. They loved to do the will of their father, the devil. Listen to what Jesus says in, Acts, in John chapter 8, verse 44. Uh, he says, and he speaks to the religious leaders. Here specifically he speaks to the Pharisees, but this was Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of those days because they were not saved. They were religious, but they weren't saved. They had a profession that they knew God, but they didn't know him. And this is what John chapter 8, verse 44 says. It says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Doesn't that kind of sound like you before you were saved? I was like that. I would rather do the desires of my father, the devil, before God saved me. After God saved me, I wanted to do the desires of my father, the almighty God. I wanted to please him. But before that, no. I followed the desires of the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, the text tells us, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Beloved, the religious leaders in Jesus' day were under control of the devil. And guess under whose control the unsaved are today? They're under control of the devil. They are doing the will of their father. It's not God. It's the devil. The almighty God only becomes your father once he regenerates you, once he makes you alive, once he cleanses you of your sin. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, he says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. 
Beloved sinners, their minds are blinded. They've got a veil over their head, just like the Jews, that they cannot see Jesus Christ as their Messiah. There's a veil over sinners, not to see the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. It's heartbreaking to see, heartbreaking to hear. And then the thing is that you and I, as believers, we have the truth of the gospel to go and share with them so that they can go from death to life, from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God, from darkness to light. And we have that privilege to share it with sinners who are dead in their trespasses and their sins. Now in verse 3, the Apostle Paul tells us that the Ephesian believers conducted themselves in the lusts of the flesh. Look at verse 3. He says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. This is, this is so sad, but it's so true, isn't it? That those who are not saved follow the lusts of their flesh. Now, the Apostle Paul in Galatians, one of his other letters, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21, he gives us a short list of the flesh, now the works of the flesh, things that people do that are, how can I say, under the power of their flesh, that lives in accordance to the lusts of their flesh. Listen to this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. And by the way, the works of the flesh are opposed né, to the fruit of the Spirit. They stand opposed to one another. So he says, The works of the flesh are evident, which are, and then he gives us a short little list of the works of the flesh, the lusts of the flesh, né? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, uh, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like. All works of the flesh. And what Paul is saying to the Ephesians is, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, these were the things you were doing. But once you became alive, you no longer followed the lusts of your flesh. You now had a desire to follow God, to be obedient to Him, to be filled with the Spirit and to live a Spirit-filled life and to live out the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. The lusts of the flesh are replaced by the fruit of the Spirit. And that's natural in the life of a believer, someone who has become alive. But it's not natural in the life of a sinner who is dead in their trespasses and sins. Then in verse 3, the Apostle Paul also tells us that the Ephesian believers were by nature 
children of wrath by nature. And it reminded me immediately of what David said in Psalm 51. In verse 5 he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. You see, everybody is born in sin. Nobody is exempt. Nobody is born a saint. All children, all babies, has to come to faith in Jesus Christ, has to receive the miracle of a new life for them to serve Christ, to be obedient to God, to honor Him, to glorify Him. All people are born with a sinful nature. Oh, and this is a teaching that people don't like. Woohoo! Because people love to think that they're good. And you'll hear it everywhere. You can ask people. Just do yourself a favor, walk around and just ask people, do you think you're good? And they'll say, yes, I think I'm good. You can take them to God's law, the Ten Commandments, and show them that they're not good, and then you can ask them again. So do you still think you're good? Yeah, yeah well, I've got a few bad spots here, but I still think I'm good. And my good will still outweigh the bad, and I think I'll still go to heaven because I'm a good person. Because that's the lie that's been fed to the people of the earth. That's the lie that's been fed by the devil to sinners who are dead in their trespasses and sins. That somehow they're good enough to be accepted by God. When in fact they're dead in their trespasses and sins. They've received the wages of sin, and the wages of sin is death. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, later on they died physically, but something died in them. That was the ability to commune with God. The ability to please God, to honor Him, to glorify Him. Something died in them. So, beloved... Paul says to the Ephesian believers, he talks to believers, and he says, this is what you used to be like in the past. And that's the reality. We, we can try to bypass it. We can try to create a new um, teaching and say, no, no, no. It's not that bad. People have this something inside of them that is drawn to God. Have you heard that before? There is this emptiness in each person that can only be filled by God. Have you heard that? No, beloved. A sinner is dead in trespasses and sins and wants nothing to do with God. Wants nothing to do with anything about God except if God does something in that person's life. And that is the miracle of new life. The miracle of being born again, regenerated by the Spirit of God, made alive to live for Christ. To be alive, to please God. And let's go back to verse 1 quickly. And I'm going to close with this. Beloved, all sinners are in a desperate situation. Please don't underestimate their situation. 
Don't underplay their situation. Tell people the truth. Don't lie to them. That they think somehow they're going to be good enough for God to accept them into heaven without them being born again, without them receiving the miracle of life. Tell them the truth. Because the truth shall set them free. And it's only by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone that people can be saved. So in verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, And you, speaking to the, Corinthians, the, the Ephesian believers, And you He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. God's miracle power of the resurrection worked in the lives of the Ephesian believers and he made them alive through a miracle. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Beloved, if you sit here this morning and Jesus Christ saved you, if you know that you are saved, that miracle has taken place in your life. Then God has taken you from death to life. And no longer are you under control of this world. No longer are you under control or a slave to the devil. No longer are you under control of the lusts of your flesh. No longer does your sinful nature control you. You can now live a life that is pleasing to God through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. Beloved, every believer is a miracle of God. Each and every one. No exception. And I believe that it is through this miracle of life that God's grace and His mercy is on display. Later on in, in chapter 2, the Apostle Paul speaks about it so that he can show in ages to come how great God's mercy is. We're going to get there. But for now, if you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone and you know you're, li you're alive to live for Christ, to live for God, to glorify God in and through your life, a miracle has taken place in your life. And all we can do is to praise Him. You see, He raises a dead person from the dead and He gives that person life, that is an amazing miracle. You think it's a miracle when somebody is healed when they are sick? Somebody that's a leper receives their cleansliness or be cleansed by Christ? Or when somebody is, that's blind can see again? Or somebody that's deaf can hear? I believe the greatest miracle is when God takes a sinner who is dead in trespasses and sins and makes that person alive. It's the greatest of miracles. And beloved, you and I have the privilege of sharing the gospel with sinners so that they can come to faith in Jesus Christ and be made alive by God. What a privilege.
So my question to you this morning is, have you been made alive? Or are you a slave to the world, to the devil, to the lusts of your flesh, to your sinful nature? May this morning, if you're not saved, if you're not alive, may this morning be that morning in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's our desire, those who have received the miracle of life, that many, many more brothers and sisters will be added to the church. Those who become alive through the miracle working power, your resurrection power that rose Christ from the dead, to also raise those who are dead in their sins and trespasses to bring them to life. We pray, Father, please have mercy. Be gracious and draw sinners to yourself if there be anybody this morning who are still dead in their trespasses and sins. May this morning be that morning where they become alive. And I pray for us who are alive and who have new life in Christ. Oh, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will use us as instruments in your hands as we heard last week to go, to be seen by you, to share the good news of the gospel so that sinners may become alive, to glorify you, to honor you, and to have eternal life with you. As we pray, Father, not because we deserve anything, we can see that it is you, as the miracle-working God, the Almighty God, who works where we cannot see. We pray that you will do that. Father, please, in Jesus' name. Amen.